Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Please follow along in your bulletins and your Bibles or on the screen above. Here now they're reading the word. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in his vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he will be called a Nazarene. Amen. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Everybody doing okay? Yes. Praise God. All right. Today, uh, we are in our second uh, sermon uh, in our series uh, for our Christmas uh, Advent series. And, uh, you know, this is a very special season in the Christian calendar. I don't know any of you guys uh, are into Christian uh, calendars, but for me, I grew up a little bit traditional uh, and my training a little bit more at a conservative seminary. Uh, so um, I got to... I'm beginning to appreciate a little bit more of the Christian calendar and the traditions of the, of the church, churches from church history. And uh, technically, officially, the Advent season, Advent calendar, uh, starts four Sundays before Christmas. Okay? So uh, church gives enough time of preparation and building up the anticipation and expectation of that Christmas, you know, coming of the Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, right? So we're building it up, and this is the season. So we call it the Advent season. By the way, officially there's also a Christmas season in the, in the church calendar, and Christmas season is different from the Advent calendar technically. Uh, Christmas season starts on Christmas Day, and it goes for... 12 days. So uh, Christmas being the birthday of Jesus, it's like a birth celebration that takes place for 12 days long. So that's where technically the Christmas cal- uh, church calendar goes. But uh, today, I mean, it is a very, very special season in the church for Christians. You know, we have the Lent season for Easter, building up that Lent and Easter uh, expectations. And, but same thing here, Christmas. So uh, once again, I pray. I pray for, for us, for our community, for, for, for all our homes um, to really, uh, really dive into this season. I know it's hard. I know it, it gets tricky, you know, busy and, and gifts and all these other, other things distract us. But I think as, as, pe- as the people of God, 
really almost we need to reclaim the season, right? This is not a holiday, but it's a holy day. It's a holy season. It's a season of the birth of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. This is our time. For people of God, for Christians, this is Christmas, right? It's, it's, it's our time. It's, it's time coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so I pray for that. I pray for that, 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 uh, that once again, that we'll find the, the wonder uh, of Christmas uh, in, a, in a very genuine way. Uh, can, we, can we pray? Let's just pray one more time. Father, we thank you for uh, this morning. Lord, as we come together as a community of, of you, Father, uh, we pray, Lord, that your, your spirit will once again uh, give, us, uh, give us true peace that really comes from you and you alone. Father, we pray that uh, the words, uh, Lord, your words will really come alive, God, not through human words, but Father, may your truth come and then touch us and speak to us, Father, this morning. Father, we pray for, uh, just for this season as we anticipate uh, the coming of you once again all over again, Father. Uh, no matter how old we are, uh, Lord, will you give us that genuine excitement and the joy and the mystery of the season? Lord, will you breathe just new life? And may we reclaim, may we really reclaim uh, this season for, for, for us. So we thank you once again this morning. We thank you for each and every person, each and every uh, just family uh, that, that you have gathered here. Uh, Lord, may we worship you today. May we think about you today. May we hear from you today, Father. In all things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love uh, this Christmas Advent season. And, uh, you know, I know we all have memories from the past. And growing up in the church, uh, when I was really younger, like when I was in Korea, you know, go to church and stuff. And the memories are all about... um, Christmas presentations, right? Christmas presentations. So, you know, the Christmas, the whole Advent season was practice, you know, going, whatever, practicing for plays or, or, or skits or body worships, you know, so that we could present to the adults and parents. And, and for us, it was all labor and, you know, and whatever, just the torture. Uh, but it was, at least I remember the excitement, like, oh my God, we're so nervous, you know, how are we going to present to the parents, all that stuff. So that portion I remember, Sunday, you know, like when I was really young, you know, in, in Korea, growing up in church and just Christmas so it was always about that, practicing going to church, and, and it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was amazing. Uh, when I got a little bit older, I, I have this one particular memory. In junior high, during Christmas season, uh, you know, my, my family would gather. You know, back then, all my uncles and aunts were unmarried and, and younger and hipper and, and cooler, and we'll gather on my mother's side. And, and um, I remember one of my memories Christmas is my uncle, my youngest uncle, my mom's brother, um, had this... 1979 uh, Chevy Camaro sports car. Uh, you know, back then he was young and hip. And it was leather. It was red leather seats, used one. And I remember riding in the back. I, I think I must have been like 6th, 7th grade, uh, like mid-80s, early 80s. And listening to the radio, he was driving and uh, listening to my favorite Christmas song, Last Christmas by Wham. Last Christmas. Right? And going around and... That was, that was just amazing. I, I remember those days. And, you know, Christmas, when I think about Christmas, a uh, lot of those memories, great memories. Family, just great, just people coming together, you know, li- you know, relatives. And although, you know, sometimes it's like busy and crazy, but it was good. It's, it's wholesome. 
right? It's rich. Uh, those are the memories of Christmas. And I'm sure that most of you, most of us, we, we have hopefully uh, good, positive, happy uh, Christmas memories and stories. But what's interesting is today, um, when we look at our text today, I don't know if you guys got to really get the tone of this text, uh, there is a Christmas narrative also in Scripture that is actually very unique and different, and this is one of them, right? Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 on. And this Christmas story, it's really not about happy times. It's not about the happy shepherds and, you know, magi coming with these gifts and star, you know, mystery and glory of God and angels singing. No. But there is a portion of the Christmas narrative that is very, very, very different. It's almost not Christmas. It's not Christmassy. That's why I think in the church, we don't really preach on this text. Um, the text goes like this. After the Magi, the wise men come and show their respect and worship uh, Jesus, immediately the, tar- the tone of the text uh, turns here in Matthew chapter 2, 13. When they had gone, this is the Magi, the angel comes to Joseph, the father of Jesus, and tells Joseph, Joseph, Someone is coming. They're going to come and try to kill your baby. And Joseph freaks out. And he said immediately he took his family and they basically run away. They move. And it's to a point this threat was so severe that not just skipping to another town, but they leave the country. And they go to the neighbor country of Egypt, where back then, I mean, Egypt was a very complicated place. uh, Because Egypt was what? Egypt was where their ancestors used to be slaves. So they hide into Egypt. And historians tell us that this takes place about two years. For two years, Joseph and Mary, uh, with the baby Jesus, they are hiding and living as perhaps as illegal illegal immigrants as refugees uh, in Egypt. You know, this means what? A lot of things. I mean, this means part Joseph uh, lost his job, right? Because they immediately losing his job, losing the close circle of friends, being disconnected with family, the loved ones, their cherished memory, their home, their places, their um, everything that, they, that was familiar and, and comfortable, um, they're just completely just, just, just thrown out. They're forced to move, to run away. They lost everything. Not only that, this text gets, gets worse, right? I mean, definitely not Christmassy. Uh, Herod, verse 16 says, Herod realized that they have been outwitted by the Magi. He was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Not only running away and 
losing, uh, but there's death. There's um, just brutality. There's uh, um, there's weeping. There's agony. There's suffering. And this is also part of the Christmas narrative. You know, today, as we kind of think about uh, pursuing the king, this kind of theme of Advent and Christmas, um, you know, as I was kind of preparing, I don't know why, but the sermon will kept on going this way, and I hope it's not a depressing sermon. But uh, the point, basically the bottom line, it's a very short sermon. The point I want to make today is uh, Advent breaks in through very real means and into the real world. Meaning the Advent season, Christmas season, is not a fairy tale. It's not all about you know, the glory of God and the stars and the wonder. I mean, those are definitely true. Big part, huge part of Christmas. And a lot of us, you know, old folks, we actually do lose that. We need to gain that back. The mystery and the wonder of Christmas. Because God is real. And there is something miraculous that takes place. But the other side of Christmas is this, that I don't know why, but Matthew pens this, writes this, making Christmas, Christmas very authentic and real. That Christmas is not just about those things, but it's, it's about real life. It's about unwed girls getting pregnant. It's about canceling engagements. It's about crazy just things happening, takes place, taking place in our homes unexpectedly. People coming after us, you know, murder. I mean, King Herod is what? Was the number one guy. It's like the government is coming after them, right? It's like they're sending the Marines after them. It's, it's, it's real. It's real life. There's suffering. There's pain. There's, there's loss. There's agony, there's fear, there's anger. All these things are part of Christmas. Christmas forces us to really examine and really embrace the, the realness of it. That's what also Advent is. Right? And so that's kind of like, I guess, my first point today. Um, Christmas breaks through in a very real way to real people, to the real world. Uh, Jesus comes... Uh, in this matter, that God dives right in into the real world. He dives right in. And I think today's text, I'm kind of, once again, just when I read stuff like this, very glad, very thankful that our scripture, the Bible, is not a made-up fairy tale, but it's, it's authentic, it's real. All right. It takes us to the second point. Um, the Advent reminds us that God identifies with us, especially in our pain and suffering. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted, tested in every way. Right? So we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, who connect with us in our weaknesses, uh, brokenness. But we have one who has been tempted, tested in every way. Hebrews 20. Right. And I think this is the point of this section of the Christmas narrative. That purposely, God wants us to know that Jesus Christ coming into the world, even from the beginning, from the birth text, that he is interested in, in connecting 
that he wants us to know that, you know, I'm coming not to just kind of rule over you and I'm this royal, big, you know, great king that you cannot come close. But he comes to us as, a, as an infant, helpless, into a situation where it's just so real. I mean, just, just, just real life. So God identifies with us. Our lives are also like this, right? You know, we, I don't know about you, but we have, you know, crazy stories. We have brokenness. Um, You know, we have death, loss, um, fear, um, right? Uh, Situations where we can't comprehend or explain or things don't pan out the way that we want to. And this is so real. You know, I was kind of thinking about this, and I don't know, like I said, the sermon was kind of going this, this way. So I was thinking about trials and testing, right? Trials and testing, uh, just like kind of this text kind of alludes to so a lot of these different difficult situations. Uh, uh, how do we, how do, what do we make of those as a Christian? When we face trials, testing, suffering, pain, uh, and definitely this is not a sermon of problem of pain. I, I, I'm not, no... I can't do that. Um, but maybe just four quick things that as I was kind of thinking through, uh, thinking through testing and maybe uh, testing and trials in our lives, um, how do we kind of, how should we view this, these kind of times uh, uh, as, as people of God? Number one, and a lot of this I, I've been learning and I, I've learned over the years. Number one, whenever you go through difficulties, times of testing and, and, and these real-life situations, number one, do not forget that God is with us and walks with us during those difficult moments. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Let's flip that. If you are broken hearted, the Lord is near you. Today, this morning, if you have anguish, if you have pain, somehow part of your life you feel broken, our great compassionate God is near you. God is with you. That's the comfort of this text. And he saves the crushed spirit. And like, like I said, the, the scripture, if you study scripture, uh, Bible doesn't address the why question. A lot of us, we like to ask that, right? You know, why? Why do innocent people die in sickness and, you know, there's so much pain and, and, and craziness in this world? Why? Scripture, for some reason, doesn't never really answer the why question. But many places we see God weeping with us. Remember the story? I think I shared this. I don't know. Early on in the year, uh, I remember one of the sermons. Uh, I, I heard it on the radio, live radio program. This lady was sharing her testimony on live radio, Christian radio. And she was sharing her story, how she grew up, many siblings. But for some reason, she was picked to be the one to take care of her mentally uh, disabled father. He had some, some genetic, some mental illness, whatever, something, and uh, very difficult. So constantly have to take care of this father. And uh, she, didn't, she never wanted it, 
but it got placed on her. So all her life growing up, there are a lot of things that she could not do. She wanted to go far for undergrad studies to a university that she dreamt of, but she had to stay in your home. She had a lot of career path choices she wanted to explore, but she couldn't because she had to constantly take care of her father. And she loved her father, and it was fine. It was great. It was hard. And I think it, that went on for like, like 20 years or something. I forget the exact numbers, but about 20 years, she just constantly took care of her father all her life. And finally, the father, uh, one day as she passed away, passes away, and she you know, gets married and, and uh, finds a great guy. She gets married, and she uh, gets pregnant. But during her pregnancy, through you know, a series of tests, she finds out that her baby son uh, has the same genetic disease as a father. And she's sharing the story in the radio, and she's weeping. And she's like, she's like, I was so crushed. I could not believe why God would put this burden on me again. All my life I sacrificed. And I gave everything, my, my young, my youth, served helping my father as a good daughter, as a good Christian. But now God is burdening me, giving me this another burden, and I don't know if I could do it. And she, she said she got so angry. She got so angry at God. But as she was sharing in this radio program, she said, but then one day, she said she had a dream. And yeah, she was at a point where she couldn't even pray. She didn't go to church. She didn't do anything. But she said she was, had a dream. And in the dream, she was angry, too. She was so angry. And she was picking up these huge rocks. And she was just chucking these rocks. And it was God. Basically, she was throwing these rocks at God. Because she was so angry. But then she said she noticed next to her, she saw Jesus. And she saw Jesus also weeping. And Jesus was weeping and she, Jesus was also taking up rocks and throwing it at himself. And she said that's when she realized God never really answers the why question because we're in a, we're in a, we're in a broken world. We're in a fallen world. Crazy things, difficult things, things happen that we don't know why. Pain happens. But one thing is God's with us. This God was weeping and walking with us. And even in her anger, he was throwing rocks at himself with her. I mean, it was one of the powerful, just most powerful testimonies I ever heard. Uh, It's crazy. But for me too, I mean, that's one thing I think as Christians that we need to to realize and uh, remember uh, that God is, God is with us. And today's narrative, too, through all the craziness, you know, Herod coming after them, trying to kill the baby through Egypt, who's with them? The Lord. The Lord is with them. Interesting, what, what's interesting? God doesn't all at once give all the plans, right? I mean, so I was kind of reading this over and over, and I was like, Lord, you know, God, why didn't you just tell Joseph exactly what was going to happen? Why did you have to reveal dream, 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 right? Next step, next step, next step. 
Well, it wouldn't be easier if just kind of one dream, just whole thing. You know, okay, for the next 25 years, I know what's going to happen. It doesn't happen, right? And for some reason, God allows us and makes us go through the different seasons and situations. Then at the right time, he reveals. He graces us with another dream or another word and opens another door, right? I mean, like I said, I don't know why, but that's how God is. But he's, 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 definitely, he's with us. Okay. Now, second thing about kind of like I said, quickly just trials, testing, tempting, uh, suffering. There are things that we can only gain through trials and testing. I feel like there are only there are things, there are spiritual things that we can only gain through the times of testing and, and, and trials. You know, James one talks about this, right? Remember, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing produces right perseverance, and perseverance have to walk finish its work. There is something at the end that is coming that only through being refined in the fire, that spiritual that we gain. And I know that we hate you know suffering, we hate pain, we hate these kinds of things. Uh, remember the, the text? Remember in the Gospels when Jesus was weeping because his friend Lazarus dies. And there was an opportunity when God, Jesus, could have gone and, and saved Lazarus, but he doesn't. Right? He allows Lazarus to die so that something greater, greater glory will be revealed. Um, and I think there are a lot of moments like that. Um, that, look, once again, he doesn't answer why, but it's just how, how, how we are as spiritual beings, through the moments of difficulty and challenges and testing, we are refined. We, we, do, we come out and we gain and we come out stronger and more like Jesus. I mean, even the life of Jesus was like that. I mean, we believe in a God who went to the cross and died nailed to the cross. Right? The life of uh, the Christian, we grow through testing and suffering. Go on. Third, testing and trials are opportunities of faith. It's an opportunity to express faith. Um, another verse just to share. First Peter 1, uh, 6 and 7. I don't know if you have this one. First Peter 1, uh, 1 6 and 7. <coughs> In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perish, perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Right? So, Paul, once again, Peter writes that as Christians, we're going to all face something. But those are also opportunities that we reveal the genuineness of our faith. But it's, it, I mean, this is so true, isn't it? That when things are all going well, when, you know, like you have enough financial security and job and, you know, family's perfect, going well, your kids are like, yes, you know, obedient, I mean, whatever. Kids are healthy and, and, and everybody's happy and when all, everything's perfect, going well. I mean, honestly, when do we get to express our faith? I mean, for me, it's those moments when things start to kind of 
not go too smoothly. When my, my sight, oh my gosh, what's happening? Those are the moments and opportunities for me to step into faith. God, this is scary. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how we're going to live next month or whatever. My, you know, I can't believe this sickness or this pain, this is coming. But yet, I will trust you. That's now faith. By sight, these things are crazy. I don't know why it's happening, all these, you know. But Lord, yet, I will still trust you. See, those moments are sometimes, most of the times, opportunities also for us to express, express faith. Right? Express faith. And also, I think in the narrative, we see this. Joseph, I mean, we don't really preach on Joseph too much, but Joseph was a man of God, really. Uh, I mean, really, Joseph was a man of God. Back in that culture, just finding out your girlfriend, your fiancé was pregnant, and you know it's not you, and really fully trusting God, you're pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I mean, and Scripture actually goes in elaborately talking about Joseph. He did not want to dishonor Mary, but to quietly divorce her. He had the full right to go public, right? Yeah. But Joseph, I mean, just an honorable, just good man of faith and character. Then all through all these situations, step by step, trusting God, walking humbly before God, not freaking out. And last one, trials and temptation or testing periods. One day, Scripture teaches us one day, all things will be restored. Amen. And one day, all things will be fully restored. That's how we view um, difficult times. Revelation 21, 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice. This is Revelation, right? End of the end. When the end comes, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell um, with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Revelation 21-34, one of my favorite verses. That ultimately when we face trials and testing for, for the people of God, our final answer is, is hope. That one day, one day, Jesus will come back, is coming back, and he will restore all things. The brokenness that I have, that no matter what I, I've been doing, healing, counseling, whatever, that it seems like it's not going away. One day, God will come and he will mend fully, restore my heart. The physical ailment that I have, that I'm, I've been living with, suffering in pain, chronic illness, whatever. One day, God will come. God will wipe away all pain. Physical pain will be gone. The loss of our loved ones, you know, this season is exactly actually one year. I lost my grandmother last year, you know, December. 
And man, just time flies so fast, and I didn't even think about her, honestly. Just realized uh, a couple of weeks ago that, wow, it's one year anniversary. One day, I'm going to see her. All of you guys who lost loved ones, one day there is a full restoration. All dead will rise. Right? No more death. I mean, all the brokenness, all the struggles that we have. That's just like, just kind of like sometimes, you know, you hate yourself because what the heck is wrong with you? One day, God would restore and fully free us. There is true freedom will come. Then we'll see Jesus face to face. You know, for me, and kind of, I'm going to just close with this very short sermon. Advent, the word for me in Advent is, is longing. Advent is, is longing. I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm longing. I'm longing for my Lord to come back once again. And as Romans talks about it, right? The creation longs in eager expectation. And for Christians, I think our Advent attitude, I think it's, it's, it's waiting, yeah, persevering. It's, it's hoping. But there is a sense of, of longing. God, one day, come. I cannot wait. I long to be in your presence where I could see you face to face. There's no more pain, death, tears. Just, just all this crap will be gone. Then everything will be restored, perfect form, fully. I, I, you know, I long for that day. I long. And because we know that, we, Revelation talks about it. I mean, I love this. Jesus says he's going to come and wipe every tear from their eye. Very specific. I mean, I, I, I'm going to physically, I think I'm going to see this. He's going to come and say, he's going to I know, you're suffering, your pain. And literally, I think he's going to physically, I mean, I don't think it's just words, because we're going to physically see him. But that full restoration is going to happen. And that is, that is Christian Advent. That God breaks through in a very real way to the real world because he wants to connect with us. He wants to identify with us. He's saying, I know, John. I know, Sam. I know. I know what you're going through because I was, I've been there. I walked among you. And I know suffering. I know terror. I know what it means to lose your house. I know what it means to be an immigrant, to run away. I know I grew up. And Scripture says all the temptations, testings, so that God identifies fully with us so that there is hope. And one day, he will come back and there will be new restoration. And as Christians, what we're doing is we're in that period. That's it. Really, this world is not our home. Right? That's why, you know, like, like pastor like Tim Keller, you know, constantly his sermons, main things about his sermon is what? Don't make temporary things the main things. There's a lot of good temporary things, you know, like money and fame and job and security, all that stuff. 
But those cannot be the main thing because this is not our main world. We're just passing away. We're passing by. And I pray that we live with that Advent hope and longing as we wait for our Lord this Christmas season. Can we pray? Let's pray and close.